daily lectionary comments for Thursday of Easter 7. We're going to look at uh, Numbers chapter 16, uh, the final part, of course, rebellion. And uh, also we're going to look at the parable in Luke chapter 20, the parable of, uh, of the tenants and certain other things. This is um, okay, Numbers chapter 16. We're going to begin verse 41. It, it's amazing. Uh, after all that happened in yesterday's devotion, the ground opening up and swallowing Korah and his followers, that uh, that the, the rebellion should continue among the people at all. And yet it's clear that it did. A lot of people apparently were very unhappy, very resentful of the Levites and their special position, and even more of Aaron and his special position, and Moses and his special position. And all that had happened did not dissuade these people of course, what was going on here is it's not as though they are witnessing the very finger of the Lord, and yet they just ignore it. Um, whatever it is that happened in terms of fire coming out from, from the tent of meeting, the ground opening up, um, not everybody necessarily saw this as a divine action and or even witnessed it directly at all. And so this rebellion is continuing and a plague breaks out. And Moses and Aaron, again, now working together, uh, work in a very unusual way to, to have censors, uh, which of course featured in the original rebellion, now uh, brought out among the people so that uh, essentially to make atonement for their ongoing rebellion and sin and that the, that the plague would stop. and. This works. Apparently, Moses had been given direction to do this. It wasn't just an accident. And finally, uh, Moses uh, directs the tribes, all the, all the people, to select the head of each of the tribes. Aaron would be the head of, of the uh, Levites to bring one staff for each of these tribes and we'll place it in the tent of meeting overnight and we will see uh, whether, in fact, the Lord has selected one of these tribes and specifically Aaron's house to serve as his priest. So they did that. There were 12 staffs that were put in the tent of meeting overnight. And the next day, Aaron's, um, Aaron's staff had budded and flowered and even produced almonds and the others lay dead and dormant. And so this, this Aaron's staff was to serve as a... Um, a reminder to the people forever and ever that God has made his election uh, and to respect God's ordering of things. Now, what does all this have to do with us in, in, uh, in the Christian church? Well, remember that God's holiness is always to be respected today as back in that day, and God's order is to be respected as well. So, there's, there's certain things that are obviously very different in the Christian church today than used than were in, at that time. Some things, however, are the same. One thing that is different is we don't have priests that are offering sacrifices. Priests that offer sacrifices went away when Jesus, who is the high priest, offered himself as the one final sacrifice that would would satisfy and atone for all sins for all time so we don't have priests offering sacrifices but we do have priests or pastors who uh, who handle the word of god and who lead the people of god and who teach and who administer the sacraments we do have that and it should be noted that while the pastorate in in the um, in the new testament uh, is no longer a hereditary thing. So it's not like some families 
can be pastors and others cannot be. That was the case, of course, in, in Moses's day. It's no longer the day now that uh, heredity has anything to do with whether one can or cannot be a pastor. Nevertheless, this is not a democracy, and these are not jobs that one just applies for, and you don't get to do it just because you want to. There are restrictions. And in the Christian church, people do not raise themselves up to serve as pastors. The church selects pastors. That is, shall we say, the Holy Spirit working through the church ordains certain individuals to serve in these capacities. This is not something that you just set up your own shop and do on your own. This is something that God must select you for. And there are limits to who the church can choose. It can't choose anybody. There are limitations. And you can take a look at 1 Timothy chapter 3 or Titus chapter 1, and they will give certain uh, limitations on who can serve as a pastor. I can't help but to mention uh, that uh, although people chafe in our day as to why women can't serve as pastors, when they do, and when they demand a change like that, Essentially, they're, they're doing something not altogether unsimilar to what happened in Korah's day. In other words, something looks unfair, it looks unreasonable, it don't like God's election. The fact of the matter is, God makes a certain election, and we're stuck with it. Even if we don't like it, or we think it would be more fair another way, what is more important than whether we think God's ordering is fair is that we follow God's ordering. We honor God's ordering. God will determine who and how people will serve, and we must honor God's holiness by being faithful to that. That was the lesson in the days of Moses and Aaron and Korah's rebellion, and that is still the lesson for us today. Luke chapter 20, we're going to look at verse 9 and following, parable of the wicked tenants. And here we have a man uh, planted a vineyard and let it out to some tenants and went to another country for a long time. And you know, this, this is really kind of a description of God working through Moses to create and plant a vineyard. And Moses dies and the vineyard comes into the hands of other tenants. And so it goes for many, many centuries. Other tenants have this this property, this land that God has owned and planted, and he sends prophets and uh, in order to get the appropriate fruit from these people, his tenants, uh, their rent essentially, and some they, they abuse and others they treat very shamefully. And the man finally says, I know what I'll do. I'll send my son. Surely they will respect my son. Well, of course, this is Jesus. And they determine that this one they will kill. Remember, remember the parable of the Minas. They will not have this man rule over them. So Jesus says, what then will the owner of the vineyard do to these people who have killed his son? And he says he will destroy them. Just as the parable of the Minas says. It says, the stone that the builders rejected has become the capstone. This is Psalm 118. In other words, you will not have him rule over you, but he will rule over you. And so the parable of the tenants, another very ominous parable told in the midst of Holy Week, just before the ultimate rejection of Jesus when they crucify him. just want to add a few brief comments 
regarding the relationship between Christianity and, and Judaism. Jesus' parable of the mina is followed by the, the several uh, several additional parables and events after this. Clearly shows that Jesus sees that Judaism is about to give way. It's a, it's about to to be put on the scrap heap by God and the kingdom delivered over to a new people, the people of the new covenant. It's tempting, and many people think of Judaism. Uh, to be sort of the religion of, of, of the Old Testament of Moses. But this really isn't uh, an accurate description at all. They also think of Judaism as kind of the mother religion to Christianity. And this just is not true. Christianity was not born of Judaism. Christianity was born of the law of Moses. It was born of the Old Covenant. But it is not born of Judaism. Judaism is not our mother. It may be a cousin, and in some ways, a very distant cousin. Jesus does not treat Judaism as though it were the law of Moses. The law of Moses is in there, but it's primarily the law of the Pharisees and the scribes. Modern Judaism especially is, is the religion of the rabbis. It's, it's not the religion of Moses. That's a very, very different thing. So Jesus does not treat the people that he is combating here in a religious sense as though they are our spiritual forebears to whom we owe much. Instead, he sees them as people who have corrupted the religion that came down from Moses and that Jesus himself is the perfect and pure embodiment of what was intended by God through Moses. And so we need to understand these judgments differently uh, than how sometimes popularly is understood.